Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. All right. If you were here last week, I want to apologize to you because I was really sick and that, not that that, that was my fault, but uh, it was somebody's fault, gave me some germs and I'm sick. But I also want to apologize. I was kind of grumpy a little bit. I, I, you ever felt like you're, you know, you're talking when you had bad cell phone reception? That was what my, I was hearing myself back. And so I didn't yell at anybody the first service, but, or this service, but the last service, I really had to apologize because I, I just said it was the Dayquil speaking rather than, than me on that. But I'm feeling a little better. I hope you are. And thanks for giving grace because that's our theme here because we, grace is a wonderful thing to have, right? It's a wonderful thing to receive. And I'm grateful. I'm deeply, deeply grateful. And I try to wake up every day in an attitude of gratefulness. That song today is, I choose this day to be grateful. And I am grateful for God's grace to save my sorry soul. And I, I think many of you are the same way of God's saving grace. And we spent some time a few weeks talking about that a few weeks ago, but we also spent some time talking about last week, God's sustaining grace. That God's grace gets us through what we need to get through. And man, many of us could say we're, we live to tell, but because of God's amazing grace, where, where when we were weak, Christ was strong in us through his grace. Today, it's, it's going to be a a heavy topic. It really will be. And, and, and I felt that the first service as people come up to me and what they're battling with and what they're going through. So I just want to warn you a little bit on that because here's, here's where we're at. It, it's, it's much easier to receive grace or desire to receive grace than it is to give it, especially when people have hurt us and hurt us deeply. I came across a story a while back. It was a, a, a guy named Kevin Tunnel who was court ordered to mail a check every Friday in the amount of $1 to a family member he'd rather forget. It was a weekly reminder of what happened on the first Friday of 1982 when he was 17 years old. This is the day he killed an 18-year-old girl because he was drunk behind the wheel. The girl's parents could have received quite a bit of money, maybe millions, but settled for $936 to come to them $1 a week for the next 936 weeks. That it would equal 18 years. 18 years, the age of their daughter that, that died, that they lost, that Kevin had killed. Kevin made the check out every week to the victim's name. This sentence finally ended in the year 2000. And during those years, the family had to take Kevin to court four times for failing to comply. Once he had to spend 30 days in jail because of it. He insists it's not that he was trying to defy the order, but rather was haunted by the girl's death as it was a tormenting reminder. He offered two boxes of checks to cover the payments. They refused. They wanted him to feel every single week for 18 years, they wanted revenge. The mother said, we want to receive the check every week on time that he never forgets. Nor did she, nor did their family. Now as we talk about what we're going to talk about, don't, don't miss what, 
what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, a person shouldn't pay. There should be consequences. There should, there should, there should be some suffering consequences. But let me ask this question. Is 936 payments enough? I mean, when August of 2000 came, did those parents find peace and rest? Is 18 years of restitution and remorse adequate? How much is enough? How many payments does it take to make it right for them? How, let me ask you, how many, how many payments do you require? I know, I know we're here and we're, we, the longer we live life, the more opportunity that we, we experience hurt and we suffer and what people have done to us. Some of you have such hurt that's so horrific, you could categorize it as being evil. But how many payments are you demanding? Let's face it, when, when wrong's done to us, we go, someone's got to pay. We demand a check and keep them coming. As long as we hurt, you must hurt. I'm going to make you feel bad while I bleed, even if it means reopening the wounds myself. Challenge is this, the problem gets deeper is the hurt becomes a habit. Just like a drug addict, we, can, we, are, we get fixed on re, our fix of revenge. A surge of adrenaline sweeps over us. It numbs us to even give us a high because that's how we cope. We become emotional junkies, unable to make it through the day without mainlining a bit of bitterness. What's even more is that hurt turns to hate. And that hate goes deep, deep within the the very core of our souls. Not sure where you relate today in all this, but all of us for various levels could say, yes, I know what it feels like. But really, how many payments are you demanding? When is enough enough? Now that question, as we wrestle through what we're wrestling through today, that question it's not an, a new question. It's a very old question. In fact, Peter, the, the, one, of the, one of the disciples of Jesus, asked Jesus a question in a different way, but it's really the same, the same question. Je, Jesus, whom he walked with for, for a while, he finally had the courage. You know, you, they're walking with Jesus. They're finally encouraged to ask, like, this guy knows something. I'm going to have the courage to ask. And this is the question that, that Peter asked. He said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sinned against me? Seven times? You ever thought like, Peter, where, where'd you get the number seven? Now we know that number is the perfect number and whether Peter, you know, thought of it that way or not. But what we do know is in the rabbinical Jewish law, there was a requirement. And the requirement was this, that you needed to forgive someone if they sinned against you, done something wrong to you, up to three times. But if they do it again, the fourth time, you don't need to anymore. And so here Peter comes along, and we're not sure of the why the seven, but it was almost kind of like this attitude going, oh, well, three, and you know what? How about Jesus? How about this? How about I double it and add one? How about that, Jesus? You know, we don't want to over-forgive an offender, but would that be enough? Because, you know, I mean, someone needs to pay. A check needs to be written at some point. Peter's hoping that that would impress his master. But Jesus says back to him, he says this, No, 
Not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, some of you here, you've done upper level math, and you're just going, well, I mean, we know. 490, right? Now, if, you, if you're calculating that, you got that, like, you got, like if, if that's what you came up with, guess what? You don't get the point. If that's what I came up with, I don't, I'm not going to get the point. Well, what's the point? Well, let me, let me say what the point is, if you don't know, and then we're going to unpack it for a few minutes. And, and this, is, this is what I would say the point of today is this. Is this. A grace-filled life keeps no count. A grace-filled life keeps no count. We're going we're gonna to take some time to unpack this, but the Apostle Paul, who had a grudge against Christians and then became one, said it this way, and another way, it's really the same way, is this, in, in the love chapter, he says that love keeps no record of wrongs. That love keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, it doesn't demand a weekly check. It doesn't keep score. See, as we spend time talking about giving grace, we're, we're going to use it today. We're, we're going to use the F word today. I saw people look up like, oh, I'm not checking my football score, my fantasy football. We're going to use it. In fact, this week I had a couple of people comment to me and they saw that come up through through Facebook and Instagram. We're going to use the F word today. In fact, the word that we're going to use today, the F word, it's a tough word to not only say, but much more to live. Okay, good. Oh, I was worried there for a while. Front row guys, you, that was great. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. You're with me. You get me. You get me. But do we? Do we get that? Do we get that? What is? That, that it is about forgiveness. a hard thing to do. And again, I want to be sensitive. Some of you are here and you're going, yeah, I get it. But you don't realize how hurt I've been. You know how much I've been left out? How much I've been shamed? How much I've ripped off and, and even abused? No, I don't get that. I don't, I not know your pain, but I know pain, it's pain. And hurts hurt. I know I don't want to minimize the terrible things that happen to us. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that justice should not be served. And there's times when justice serves. Some of you have been following this last week. It was on 2020. The, the Manny Stavik murder it happened in 1989. I had a friend that knew Mandy. That happened in... That's just the wind. It happened in... <laughs> or someone's really mad. Manny... Manny was killed in the, out in, in the Mount Baker area. They found, through DNA evidence, they found her killer. And now he's serving time. And, and so even in that, after 30 years later, justice was served on the criminal level. But is that enough? Is it, at what point do we move on? See, if you're struggling, if you're wondering, if you're keeping a ledger, let me just ask you this. If you're demanding these checks, let me just ask you this. Is it leading you on the pathway to live a grace-filled life? Is it leading you to a place of peace, of freedom and wholeness? Is it really providing that for you? I think we know the answer. It really has to do with how much the capacity we can understand and even the ability for us to not just give grace, but first to understand this grace. You see... Jesus, 70 times 70, 7 times 70 statement, he unpacks what he means by that in a parable. A parable is a, a, a spiritual story that has a punch, and Jesus gives the punch 
at the end that we're going to get to. And it's here in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23, that you can follow along or have your app to follow along here or look on the screen. It says this, Therefore, Jesus tells a story, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his account up to date with servants who had borrowed money from them. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in whom he owed millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Yeah, it was interesting. You know what happens next to this guy? He is so grateful. He is so elated that, that he is forgiven of this debt. He runs out and runs up and down the street and going, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Actually, he doesn't do that at all. Just the opposite. Listen to what happens. Soon the man left the king. Immediately when he left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabs him by the throat, demands instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and he begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me. I will pay it. Sound familiar? He pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison till the debt could be paid in full. Now we read that going, oh, Jesus, you're speaking in hyperbole here. It's just like you're exaggerating. But is he really? I think we can relate a little bit, can't we? We can find ourselves at times where we got the break. We got the out. We, got, we received a little bit of grace, but we find ourselves and come to Revelation that we sure didn't give grace to the people around us that really maybe they didn't deserve it, but we, we definitely didn't give it either. I mean, we can go like, go, what the de- what's the deal, God? You know, this guy, and why would he do this? We can find ourselves doing it. And it's simply reason why, that, why would someone do that? And why would we catch ourselves doing that? And the hypocrisy of it all is that we don't get it. We don't get it. What don't we get? We don't get grace. The answer is not 490. See? God, our King, desires for us to receive His amazing grace that we do not, done, do not deserve that we receive. But we don't fully understand it. It's tough to actually give it. So if you're, as we read this, look at the story today, and, and here's some thoughts. Here's some things to take away. Why we struggle for giving grace. Why do we struggle for giving grace? And it's, the first one is really common sense. We, we don't know how good we got it. We just don't know how good we got it. In, in the story of the ungrateful debtor, Jesus exaggerates to make this point. This guy owned, and, and your Bible translation might, say, might not have dollars, might say talents, 10,000 talents. That, you know what that equals to? 125,000 years of wages. 125,000 years. It's funny, the guy says, oh, I'll pay you back. 125,000 years? See, we need to understand our debt to God as our king, is far greater than the ability for us to pay. See, we don't, we, we, we don't need a higher salary. We don't need a bigger wage. We need a gift. And that's exactly what was provided for us. Romans tells us this. For, for the wages of sin is death. Work really hard. Work really hard. What does it lead to? Death. But the gift of God is eternal 
life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God. It's grace. Getting grace. You receive a gift you can't earn or buy or beg for. Now imagine if God demanded reimbursement from us from what we did and the sins we've done. If we hurt someone with our hands, would he dismember us? Imagine if we were listening to some gossip. Would he cut, cut off our earlobes? If, 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 we, if we looked at someone lustfully or looked at what someone else has and we want it, would he pluck our eyes out? If we, if we lie, would he cut his tongue out? Let's rest assured, God is not a mob boss. Okay, he's not going to send you know, Vinny and Guido to, you know, to you break your legs. Okay, forget about it. Okay, he's not going to do that. No. There's no checks to write. There's no payback because there's no way we could pay it. It's only the precious price that was paid on the cross, a drop of blood from the, the cross of Christ. I love what Peter says this, for you know it was not the, with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but the precious blood of Christ. Jesus is the one payment that was made that was the payment made. Our master forgave our debt and none of us can fathom and even understand that. But we're called to grow in that understanding. There's a calling that's there to understand it. But when we come to a greater appreciation, it's there we find graciousness and gratefulness that, that floods our heart. I love where, where Jesus, this beautiful story in Luke chapter 7, where this woman comes to him and she, she bows before him and she's kissing his feet. Can you imagine how awkward that is? You're going along and of course feet back then were not the, it's not like you had shoes. I mean, there's a lot of dust and dirt and everything. And there she's humbling ourselves in such a way. And the religious leaders are freaking out. Like, why would you let her do that? And Jesus said to him, he says, therefore I tell you, how many sins have been forgiven for she loved much. For he who has been forgiven little loves little. When you and I come to that deep, deep appreciation of God's amazing grace, it's there that we begin. It's there that we begin to actually offer forgiving grace. But we struggle. We struggle to do that. And here's another reason why we struggle. We don't allow the depth of God's grace to change us. We don't allow the depth of God's grace to change us. The guy, you know, notice that story. Here he receives this incredible freedom. Like he doesn't have to go to prison. His, his kids and his wife, they also were going to prison. Everybody was going to prison. And the king forgives him because he pleads with them. But immediately, he doesn't like dwell on that. I'm grateful for that. No, immediately he goes and tries to get the guy that owes him and you, you need to realize that here he, 125,000 years that he owed is freed, and he could not forgive the guy that owed him six years of wages. Gets him roughed up, gets him arrested. What in the world? He didn't get it. And there's times that we don't get it. And when we don't get it, that's when we don't offer a lot of grace to anyone else. And there's a perspective that's there. That we would take some time, not only for the grace that we have received from the Lord, but also knowing and understand other people's stories and getting a perspective. And when we do, that's where we can begin to offer grace to others. I, 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 I'm always thinking about this one story I heard long ago of a, of a man, he's in a subway, it's busy 
busy city and he got off work. He worked in a business office and it was a really, really stressful day. And all he wanted to do was just read the newspaper and get home. And he's in this subway and there's a father with these three little children and they're just causing havoc. They're, they're fighting and they're causing a lot of commotion. And, you know, and everybody else, else in, the, in the train car is just annoyed by them. And it's almost like someone needs to talk to this guy. And finally, the, the guy just goes, he closes his newspaper and goes, I've had enough of this. And he tells the guy, he lectures him. He says, can you get your kids under control? They're just causing a lot of problems and everything. He starts complaining about this, this guy's kids. And the father turns to him. He says, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, their mother, my wife, passed away this morning. And you hear those kind of things, and you hear those moments where things like that happen, and it changes everything. The guy went from annoyed to incredibly compassionate in a moment. We don't know what's going on in other people's lives. Now, it doesn't mean we give excuses and, and enabling people and victim, victim, victim. I'm not saying that. But do we really understand the circumstances of someone else's life before we pass judgment upon them? I think we're all guilty of that. And when we get the perspective of God's grace in our own life and what he's doing, we can become gracious to others. And there's a growth in grace. I love what Peter says this, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus and Savior Jesus Christ. Not only are we growing and understanding our, our grace that we receive, but we also grow in the understanding of the God's grace working in other people's life, that there's a process of the work that he's doing. Unfortunately, not giving grace attributes though, when we don't give it, Here's a danger. Here's a danger. See, the issue of unforgiveness, what it does, it stunts our growth and the deeping understanding of God's grace. And so when we don't get it, when we don't get it, we're not able to give it. And so what happens is this, this is the consequences. We haven't realized the implications of not giving it. We really haven't understood the implications of not giving it. See, I never finished the story of the ungrateful debtor. And let, and let, me, just, let me wrap it up with this. It says, for there, this is what happened. To the man. It says, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They saw this guy got all this grace from the king, and then he goes and doesn't give it to this other man. It says, they went to the king and told him everything had happened. Then the king called in the man who had been forgiven and said, You're evil, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow servant? Justice had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. How many know what goes around comes around? Justice was served, guess what? Because grace was withheld. Now we can go, wow, poor sucker. Man, he didn't get it. Well, Jesus didn't stop there to finish the story. Those religious leaders maybe were thinking the same thing at the time. The people around him like, and then he just drops a bomb to sum up the story. This is what he says. He says this, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Drop the mic. That was the moment like, oh man, how we have done this. See, if you're wanting, if you're wanting a grace-filled life, if you're wanting a, a, a freedom in your life, if you're wanting the peace that really truly comes, that, that, that grace offers, we have to be at the place to be able to give it ourselves. And when we don't, when we can't forgive, what it leads to is something very, very dangerous. And it's called bitterness. Bitterness is 
unforgiveness not dealt with. And it comes in and it settles in. In fact, Hebrew writer writes this about bitterness. He says this, see to it that no one misses the grace of God so that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defile many. See to it. See to it that it, there's not a, a root, not a, a seed that becomes a root that would be in your own heart and in your own life. Just like, it, like something, a root in the ground. What happens is it pushes through the surface and it grows up and eventually the root becomes fruit. And he says it defiles many. Not, not only defiles our relationship with God, but defiles all the relationships around us. That's what bitterness does. Bitterness is this root that becomes fruit. You ever put a rotten, you ever had a rotten apple in a bag and all the ro- apples are rotten. All the potato, all the potatoes are rotten. It's stinky, it's, it's gross because of one. And that's what it is. It defiles many. Bitterness wraps itself in gossip and slander and mistrust and doubt. It blinds people from hearing the truth and getting other people's perspective. It sows discontentment and it divides and weakens people. Not just people, groups of people. I've seen it happen. I, I, I've seen it. I've seen it in, in people's children, people's grandchildren, their close friends. I've seen it in coworkers in a work environment. I've seen it in a small group. I've seen it in a church. I've seen it even in this church, what bitterness does. And if it's not dealt with, it will hurt so many people. It will hurt. And it will create hurtfulness, hatefulness, people isolated and desperately lonely people. If you're not convinced of what bitterness does, just ask those parents. Just after those, those parents, after 18 years, when within the moment they did not get that check, where's my check? You were supposed to give me that check. You did not deliver that check. You will pay. Just ask them, how are they feeling about that? And how are you feeling about that? Is that check going to come? And who really is paying? You see, like this ungrateful and unforgiving servant, what happened? What did it lead to? It led to prison. The unforgiveness and bitterness, it leads to prison. Now, what prison do we have? What's prison of our past? prison of what people thought of us or think of us even today. People are prisoners of their own emotions. They're prisoners of fear. They're the prisoners in their own mind. And what it does, it rots to their core of who they are. So what do we do? Do we just forgive? Is that what you're saying? Well, it's a process. It's a work. But the greatest thing we can do is identifying it. And the greatest thing we do is recognizing it in our life today. And no longer be in denial of it. So I want to give you a next step. The brave step for you. We always want you to leave with something to take action in. And this is the next step for us this week. I will forgive, fill in the blank, so I can be free. I will forgive whoever that might be so I can be free. I don't know which name you're putting in there. But you know. You know who it is. It might be someone else, but let's, let's be honest. It might be your name that goes in there today to forgive yourself.
If you're here today and you know who that is, we're here to pray with you, encourage you, and help take some steps. I pray with some people after the first service and, and recognize that in my own life, there's been times that there was a name in there. Today, I don't think of a name, but doesn't make me off the hook. Because at some point, I have opportunity this week to get offended. Opportunity that someone could hurt me and do something to me. They, maybe they didn't mean to do it to me, but they did. And I have a choice. Do I live an unoffendable life? It's a choice I have to make. It's a preemptive choice. I want to, I desire for that. But when offense comes, well, can I live? Doesn't mean someone gets off the hook and there needs to be punishment in the sense of like, there's, there's times of consequences. I'm not saying there shouldn't be in what people have done. But am I allowing that, that offense, am I allowing it to take, take root? Because it will if I let it, if I let it go because I know what it feels like doing it that before. before. Now, here's the thing about forgiveness, what it's not. Forgiveness doesn't take away our pain because there's pain. It doesn't undo what someone's done to us. It doesn't always restore relationship. It doesn't always bring, well, we know, it doesn't bring a loved one back from their past. It doesn't do those things, but what it does is it brings opportunity to be freed from the prison of our own souls. It doesn't mean that the person that's hurt you, that they're, they're even offering and asking you for forgiveness. Sometimes we don't have that opportunity. They don't realize it or they refuse to realize. They don't, they don't get that they hurt you. They don't, want, they don't even want to. That's just where they're at. But it doesn't mean that you can't be free by forgiving them. And many times it's forgiving them in, in your own heart. What, what we're not saying is this, that you need to go to the person that's hurt you and offended you. And if they're not a safe person, that's not good for you to do. So it's really, really important that you find someone you can trust and say, here's what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through and take the right steps. But the forgiveness is for you. The forgiveness is so that you can see that the prison doors open and then there's, there's freedom available for you that's there. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting it only means this, that the wounds that you have can become scars. Because even today, some of you, I, you can, I can feel it. You're, I've ripped a Band-Aid off. That's what you feel like. Let me just ask, why is there a Band-Aid there? There's work that Lord still needs to do. He wants to take those wounds and bring scars. It doesn't mean we forget, forgive and forget. I don't think that's possible. I think the memories can fade like the scars that we have can fade over time. Scars a reminder of wholeness and healing in our life that only Jesus can do. It's a, it's a reminder of the work he's done in our life that's brought us to that place for you and for, for me. That's what he wants to do. And yes, it's not one day and one prayer and, and we're good to go. There's a beginning of process that the Lord wants to do. But I want to tell you this, forgiveness is the pathway out of prison for you and I to experience true freedom. I'm going to ask our team to come as we close here in prayer. Last week I shared about Jerry Sitzer. He was a professor at Whitworth College, still is actually in Spokane. I shared about how he was driving with his family and they were hit by a drunk driver head on and it killed three generations of his, his women and his family. His wife, his 40-year-old daughter and his own mother. In an instant, they died. Wiped out. In fact, they're actually buried in, in, the, in the Linden Cemetery. 
he wrestled through and, and as they went through the court case and all the hearing and everything for this person that was being accused, they found this, the defense could not prove that who the, really the driver was and the man that was accused actually was acquitted of the crime. And Jerry wrestled through that. He wrestled through the bitterness and the pain and the hurt. The justice was not served. But the, the Lord gave in the scripture that the apostle James says that the mercy triumphs over judgment. That God's the judge. And God will make right for what needs to be made right one day. But he said this, I'm not going to allow bitterness to win. I'm not going to allow unforgiveness to have a hold in me that I want to be freed. So I will forgive. I choose to forgive. As we pray, I just got to ask this question. Are you still waiting for the check to come? Are you still waiting for the weekly payment? Grace, grace-filled life keeps no count. It keeps no record. Will you pray with me? Let's take a moment here today. The heaviness of this moment is the fact that it's, it's a big deal. And we're all affected by this. We're affected by the people that we've struggled to forgive. We're, we're affected by the people that we've hurt that we need to ask for their forgiveness. It's a weighty, heavy moment. But don't miss this moment of what the Lord's doing. That wound that you have, he doesn't just want to bandage it. He wants to do surgery. He wants to heal you. In fact, that wound's become affected. I don't want to be gross about it, but that's the root of bitterness. It's like cancer. He wants to cut it out of your life. For you, even though you've been offended, even though at, at what happened was not your fault, you're holding bitterness. And I can I call you out on that, that that bitterness is sin itself. And before you to be freed, you have to ask the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for my bitterness. I'm sorry that I held a grudge. I'm sorry that I'm waiting for payment that I'll never get or expect to get. Lord, I give it over to you. I give that pain over to you. Like, Lord, root out that bitterness in me so that I can find healing. I can find wholeness in my life. I can be free. Because love, grace, doesn't keep record of wrong. Lord, help me to do that today. Bravely do that. Lord, give me wisdom as I go into this week. The person that I need to forgive, Lord, give me wisdom in how to approach that person. I've been waiting for them, but Lord, maybe I just need to forgive them in my own heart and let, let them go, Lord. Lord, give me the strength to do that. God, it's tricky. It's complicated. Lord, I, I, God, give us people, people in our life. Give us wisdom and the people around that we trust to help us through this process. It's not easy, but it's so necessary, Lord. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for that work, God. Do that in the hearts of the people right now, Lord. Even now, do it, Lord. Lord, for some of us here, what we're really needing is, for, is to be forgiven. Jesus, we've, we've done too much. We've hurt too many people. And Lord, we lay ourselves before you, Lord, and we just ask for your forgiveness of the wrong we've done, the sins that we've committed. And many of us, many of us have done that already, but there's some here today that have not given their life over to you, their, their life of sin, so that, Lord, you can, you can do a healing in them. And then that is to save their very soul, Lord, as they reach out to you.
God, may we be people. May we be people of forgiveness. May we be known by that, of our love and our forgiveness expressed because of the gratefulness of all that you've done in our life, Lord. Lord, do that work in us so deeply, Lord, that we would live as grace-filled body of people to this lost and hurting, broken world. Us as broken vessels. In your name we pray.